Welcome to Subjectively Correct Sports with David Henderson and Anthony Montague. David, we have proof that not only do us mere mortal humans view Florida as a joke, but the supernatural does as well. Like Pirate Captain Jack Sparrow? Exactly. So this week, uh, a lightning strike on a Florida home septic tank had an unexpected result. The uh, toilet inside the home exploded, shattered into hundreds of pieces. Uh, so, okay, so Mary Lou Ward, she's uh, the owner of the home. Sorry, Mary Lou who? Uh, no. Mary Lou Ward. Mary Lou who? Mm, I see what you're doing here. So she said she heard a loud boom on the on Sunday when lightning struck the home septic tank. Um, <laughs> here's the quote. We come in here and the... To- Should I try and do an accent? I don't even know what a Florida a accent Florida, is. Okay, now Florida's panhandle. a melting pot. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing panhandle. I'm just guessing. Why? I'm just guessing... Because septic tank. Where's and Mary Port Lou? Charlotte? Port Charlotte, Florida. Shall I Google? Yes, I'm gonna. I'm going to guess Panhandle. I'm gonna guess Florida. Let's see who's right. Well, that's. Right, what's the name of the place again? Port Charlotte. Sorry, I, I was looking at pictures of Vic Fangio. I don't know what that, that is. You don't know what a Vic Fangio is? No, I don't know. You don't know who Vic bleeping Fangio is? I don't. Can we... What's the name of the place? Port Charlotte. Port. How do you spell Charlotte? Oh my goodness. The C H, not S H. Port Charlotte. Where is it? Florida. Dude, chill. Let me type in Florida. You're so impatient. Okay. Like, okay. It is in... Yes, it is Cleveland. Uh, you don't know how the internet works. Yes, I do. Maps. <laughs> All right. This segment is going swimmingly. Dude, wait. Where are you? Port Charlotte's in California, dude. Okay. Oh, no, this no, 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 no. Chill, chill. Dude, chill. Okay. okay. It's near Fort Myers. Okay. It's uh, west, uh, Florida West Coast. Okay. About Gulf uh, side. Yeah, like a hundred right. miles south of Tampa. Okay. All right. All right. Not Panhandle. Sorry, Panhandlers. Did not mean to insult you. A Panhandler sounds like someone who is trying to get money from you. Yes, that's what it is. Oh, is that disrespectful to the people of the Panhandle in Florida? I don't know. Why did, they, did, did they used to hold a pan by the handle, and then that's why they started calling it panhandling? Or did a lot of people beg for money in the panhandle of Florida? Hmm. What about the other panhandles? Like, Oklahoma has a panhandle, right? A door may have just shut. Maybe it's a ghost. I don't know. I do know that this lady's toilet exploded that's when true. lightning hit her septic I, I lost track of what the story was about. Okay, I'm interested again. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I'm not going to try the Florida accent. We come in here, and the toilet was laying on the floor, which most toilets... My toilets are on the floor. Maybe she had a, a, uh, a, a stepped toilet. You had to ascend to the toilet, to the throne. Oh, I get it. They There's all pieces everywhere. The Piece, throne. There's all pieces everywhere, period. Pieces everywhere, <laughs> Period. I love that quote. Wait, could you read that again, but without the period? Just like read okay. it the way it's supposed to be written? There's all pieces everywhere. Pieces everywhere. That's just great. Yeah. That's just great wording. Yeah. So the, the, the porcelain is just littered all over the bathroom. And she said, uh, so she had her plumber come over and uh, investigate. And his uh, deductive reasoning led him to believe that some kind of methane buildup uh, in the septic t- tank, uh, which makes sense, right? Wait, wait, methane in the septic tank? Yeah. In the septic tank? Yeah. All right, I guess. When the Maybe. lightning hit it, it, uh, I guess, <laughs> caused a chain reaction, which led back to the toilet inside and caused it to explode. It gives a whole new uh, meaning to explosive diarrhea. Oh. Right, David? <laughs> I like, knew you were going there, <laughs> yeah. but I was still, <laughs> I was like half like excited, half like dreading <laughs> you saying that. No, I mean, I've, I've definitely had a few experiences where I thought, this porcelain, it's going to go at any minute. <laughs> um, but never, like, never did I imagine a scene like this. Could you imagine if you were on it at the time, and you, oh. were, you were having yourself an experience, and, um, and, and then shattered everywhere? Like, you could legitimately have thought it was you. Right. Right? <laughs> I am the pooping champion of the world. <laughs> Yeah, I literally eat lightning and crack thunder. <laughs> that that's what Instagram was made for. <laughs> Scenes like that. So in uh in tenth grade, mm-hmm. Mr. Vogel, who was like the most mad scientist 
chemistry teacher in the history of the world. He was great. Yeah. He had this laugh that was infectious. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> yeah. He was my landlord for a while. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. He was a great guy and a good teacher. One time he had us do this uh, experiment where you fill uh, a little tiny rubber capsule with uh, with uh, gases and you'd find try to find the right mixture mm-hmm. and then he would ignite it with a little electrical prod and he would like yeah, that would how you ignite it, right? Okay. Well, my buddy Tony Frainer and I figured out that if you leave a little bit of water at the bottom, it'll yeah. act like a stopper. Okay. And it also acts as, a, as an igniter. And uh. so we put it on the, the thing, and he went to shock it. He shocked it. It shot so hard that it hit the ceiling. <gasps> it didn't cause any damage because it was a lightweight thing. But yeah. we were like, we're the best, but we still lost because it was a distance thing. So uh. even though we had the most explosive and the best mixture of gas, because yeah. we, we were able to like bottle it all up and keep it corked in there, we still didn't win. But I'm not bitter about it. So you had the highest exit velocity oh, by far. Oh, for sure. You we just were, didn't have the right angle. Oh, yeah. We were Launch like, angles off. Yeah. I mean, but with the juiced ball, it would have been out by like 20 feet. Yeah. And by juiced ball, we just mean lower seams. I don't know what it means, man. Everyone's like dancing around that subject. They're like, oh, juiced balls, lowered seams, whatever it is. If they're lowering the seams, how come guys are throwing screwballs that start at the guy's head and end up two feet outside? I don't think the balls have been changed all that much. Or the pitchers are using a foreign substance. Mm. And also, we're breaking our own podcast rules because we're really getting into some heavy sports stuff before the break. Yeah. Let's bring it back. Let's bring it back to the open man. These baseball players, they're hammering the ball. Like, no, I don't really want to say hammering the toilet. That's kind of weird. Hmm. I thought you were going to go hammer, Thor, God of Thunder, toilet. Perfect. Right? And scene. Nice. All right. Where do you want to start today? Because Sports! Okay, so the sports thing I want to talk about, which is crazy. I, I mentioned earlier Vic Fangio. Yes, Vic. Is this one name Fangio? Is it the last name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fangio. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, he is, by all accounts and from everything I've heard and read about him, like one of those guys that's like cliches for days and is just grumpy old school football guy, like Oklahoma drills, like he's grumpy that in the CBA he can't line up his players and make them run at each other and hit each other, right? Like he's one of those types. He's the type that make you practice without water. Yes. Like here's a salt pill, go run three miles, no water breaks for you. He's that type of guy. Like the football coach that you had growing up that like did super unsafe things. Yes. Yeah. I imagine he would say things like, I don't know, like why are we in shorts? Like, I don't want to watch football players in shorts and, and helmets. I want to see guys in pads. And he's, like, really grumpy that he can only put pads on certain guys for mm-hmm. certain days and stuff. Like, he's that type. He's a walking OSHA violation. Yeah. Well, and he took uh, he took all music away during practice. So a lot of teams will, like, like the like the Warriors okay. in basketball, they'll play music during practice and stuff. Guys like that. The players sure. are like that. He's like, no music in my practices. Not a, not a player's coach. Uh, no. He is a Vic Fangio. <laughs> okay. Like, he is his own creature. He is he's Like, have you heard of David Gettleman from the Giants? I've heard of David Gettleman, yes. Now, he does not call them the the New York Giants. He calls them the New York Football Football Giants. Giants, Yeah. And he, I think he was instrumental. Of course, he he got rid of Odell Beckham Jr. Because he doesn't play football the way a New York Football Giant should play football, right? So he hit that same kind of mold. Well, Vic Fangio is that kind of old school football guy, right? Yeah. So the Broncos were playing in the Hall of Fame game. Which is just a sorry excuse for a football game. Also, Joe Flacco, get out of my Broncos. Just, I don't want you anywhere near that team. You could be the logo, right? Your face kind of looks like a Bronco. So go ahead and be the logo. But other than that, get out of my team. I don't want you around this franchise. Is he projected to be the starter? Oh, I hope not. Was, who was the other choice? Case Keenum? Or Case Keenum, as John Elway <laughs> likes to call him? <laughs> anyway, uh, they're playing the game. Vic Fangio has a kidney stone. During the game. He has a kidney stone that he tries to pass, and he can't pass it before the game. So what does he do? He goes out and he coaches the game. <laughs> Vic Fangio, man. Yeah. And it's not like it's not like the third game of the season or like uh-huh. a playoff game. It's just it's the first game of the preseason. Yeah. It was the game that's a week before the a week and three days before the other preseason games that don't matter. So it's the most not mattering game ever. In fact, the only reason that we play that game is to get people excited about football, so we can do the Hall of Fame stuff, yeah. right? It's so that we can injure some people on the roster, so exactly. You, so your decisions are are less difficult. Sure. So we can watch people poorly punt out yeah. of bounds and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. muff punts and like drop passes and run okay. bad routes and co- quarterbacks that can't throw that you've sure. never heard of, yeah. like quarterbacks that went to colleges that like. 
you've heard of, but that yeah. you didn't hear about. Anyway, which is crazy. Case. Is like all these quarterbacks in the NFL were great in college. Yeah, and it's like just a completely different game. They, yes, it's so weird. Well, it, think, it's like the only, not the only sport. I mean, you see it in other sports. Sure, but I feel like it's the least predictive sport. Like your, your yes. performance in college is not predictive of your of your performance in the NFL. Arguably, the best quarterback to ever play the game was like one of the last players drafted. 199th right? pick in the uh, whatever year draft, Tom Brady, sixth Crazy. round, and then Bill Belichick. I assume you were talking about Tom Brady. Tom I was. Brady. Yes, <laughs> I was talking about Tom Brady. Uh, Joe Montana. Uh, but anyway, so Vic Fangio goes out and coaches the game with a kidney stone because I mean that's what you would expect him to do, right? Yeah. If he's gonna line his players he up, he probably felt like it enhanced his performance. Yeah, he was like, the pain gives me focus. <laughs> I can't imagine, dude. I've never had a kidney stone, but from what I understand of it, and from my limited, uh, my limited knowledge of kidney stones and of the knowledge of my own anatomy, yeah, that's the last thing I want happening in my life. Isn't that is that the one that they say is like? A man, like, the, the closest he would experience to, to labor is passing a kidney stone. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Mm. And it makes sense, man. It's, what, not, it's not designed for that. Does It, it passes through... Yes. You, that. You, yes. Through your, your... Yes. Through that? Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. D- okay. And, yes. And ideally, it gets broken up somewhere along the way? The, yes. The hope is that... You blast it, it with gamma rays? Something. You don't want it to hulk out, though. Oh. Ooh. Oh. Uh. Uh. Anyway, Vic Fangio is Vic Fangio and who will forever be Vic Fangio. Okay. But he's he's one of these like dying breed football guys right. that like rose up through the ranks and becomes the head coach of a team with this old school forget analytics, we're going to establish the run type of guys when every smart football uh, uh, mind will tell you establishing the run is stupid. Yeah. Look at Bill Belichick. The last good running back he had was who? Corey Dillon? Okay. Dixie State alumni? The last good running back. I mean, he had he had some decent running back, but but no one. But he never he hasn't had a running back in a long time that was like a featured player on the team. Right, right. He'd have like a Legarrette Blunt who would come in in situational, uh, in, in like short distance and right. stuff like that. And, right? they, and they came in when they figured the other team's gonna blitz, so yeah. they could like help with the blocking package. Right, right? but. The success of the Patriots has shown that you don't need a great running back. Now, yeah. does a good running back make the quarterback? quarterback's job easier absolutely zeke elliott definitely makes dak prescott's job easier melvin gordon makes philip rivers job more easy hey right? what do those two guys have in common uh they're both holding out but to, in today's nfl i mean the packers were trotting out a guy number 88 to play running back for them right i mean they just i mean it didn't work out for them but you know mccarthy yeah. mccarthyism was not good to the packers <laughs> it's a politics joke yeah this this podcast is riddled with politics jokes Especially if you're not catching five to ten politically nuanced political jokes throughout, you're, you're just not paying attention. Yeah, but they're all from like thirty to forty years ago, like thirty, right. like thirty years to like the revolution. Like that's our that's our sweet spot with the political. Um, all right, stop stalling. All right, stalling what? Well, I'm not stalling. This is the show. Stal- oh. Stalling, stalling. Oh, that's another good political one. Yeah, it was so a political joke. It's so subtle, but now you have to kill me because I didn't get it. <laughs> I will just not exist you. you oh. just, I de-exist you. Okay. Knock, knock. Who's there? KGB. Nope. <laughs> I know that one. Sorry. Okay. I had someone tell me that Parks and Rec wasn't as good as The Office today. The TV show Parks and Rec was n- not as good as the TV show The Office. Mm. And I was like, you know what? I would say if you cut The, the Office off after like season seven, I might ag- I might agree. You think it, p- it petered I, out I, at the end? Yeah, I think. Well, I think once Michael Scott left the show, once once Steve Carell left, it went off a cliff. Wasn't quite the same. Yeah, wasn't quite the same. Yeah. Uh, anywho, what were we talking about? Football. So Vic Fangio's kidney stones. Yes. Anyway, this idea of you can't. Anyway, I, I just it blows my mind that there are still some people making it to such high levels of football who are so unwilling to embrace the changes and embrace the smart football. You know what I mean? Yeah. While other teams are winning, like Bill Belichick is just laughing at Vic Fangio. He's like, "Go ahead, establish the run, force your bad quarterback into third and eights the whole game. I'm just going to tear you apart. Establish the run all you want, right? When, coach, the, when coaches like Belichick and other other teams that are smart." They know that on first down, if you throw a bubble screen or you throw a slant or you throw a, a five-yard out, it's more likely to get the yards you need to have a manageable second and third down situation than if you ran the ball at first. Now, again, you do have running back stars that change the game, 
but you don't need that. Just ask Jerry Jones. He'll tell you. Yeah. He apparently forgot yeah. about Emmett Smith, though. Just saying. <laughs> well, okay. I will say this on the Vic Fangio story. If, if your head coach or assistant head coach or your whatever coach is like the story of training camp, things are not looking too great for your team, right? Like the coach should never be the story. Yeah. Uh, especially, he's not the head coach, right? Yes, he is. Oh, he's the head coach? He's Vic Bleeping Fangio. Of oh. course he's the head coach. Wow, okay. Well, how much attention have I been paying to football? Probably none. <laughs> Absolutely none. I did see, though, uh, that Ezekiel... Ezekiel... Oh! Let, let me fix that. Ezekiel <laughs> Elliott is your Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook. <laughs> Ezekiel Elliott. Crushed it. <laughs> Elliott. <laughs> that was another <laughs> politics joke. <laughs> Ezekiel Elliott uh, and Melvin Gordon, who, if that that is like Melvin Gordon has the whitest name I've ever heard for a black NFL running back. Oh, okay. Can you? <laughs> I thought at the first. I thought you were okay. You. you no. no what, what, hey, what, I was gonna. Sorry, I'm still thrown off by the everything that's been going on. It, there's a lot going on. Okay, but when you said the 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 whitest name for, I thought you were just gonna say for a black man. Yeah. The first one I thought of was Chadwick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Chadwick Boseman, Black Panther. <laughs> he played Jackie Robinson, like one mm-hmm. of the most iconic African Americans yeah. ever, right? Most recognizable. Chadwick. He's British, though, right? No, he gets a pass. Isn't he? Not, he's not British. Let me pull out the Googles again. Oh, I thought he was British. No, wait, I mean Chadwick. Sound? He's to- when you hear him talk, he's totally just American. But yeah, I mean okay. you can go on. I, you don't have to listen. Yeah. Anyway, so they're they're both American actor, like by birth. Where was he born? Does he have a parent that's British? <laughs> what? I'm on his Wikipedia. It says Chadwick Aaron Bozeman. Oh, the middle name. Aaron. Yeah. Aaron. Yeah. Oh, born November 26th, uh, December 29th, 1976, or in 1977. <gasps> Sources differ. Is he Dominican? <laughs> <laughs> Is he a Dominican baseball player? Stop touching my phone. Sorry. Stop doing that. Okay. He uh, played James Brown? I don't. It doesn't matter. That's not, that's not why we're here. He was born in South Carolina. Okay. To British military? No. He's British-American. Look at that. British-American. Oh, that's his alma mater. <laughs> yeah, the British-American Drama Academy. Okay, so he so spent time in Britannia. I don't know. He spent time there. Did you sort of say Britannia? Yes, Britannia. Do you say encyclopedia? <laughs> so Ezekiel Elliott and Melvin Gordon... Um, they're on their rookie contracts, right? Is Melvin Gordon still on his rookie contract? I think they both are. And um, so it used to be in the NFL that that rookies could be paid kind of whatever. Like, there was no restriction. And so you'd see, like, Sam Bradford coming out of college, all of a sudden the highest paid NFL player of all time, right? And um, <laughs> Terrible mistake. Yeah. And so so a few years ago, they, they, uh, they changed up the rookie's uh, pay system, and so now there's a rookie skill, right? So if you're drafted one, you know what you're going to make. If you're drafted two, three, four, right? It's very much like the NBA draft. Yeah, and this is to save NFL franchises from ruining themselves for a decade, right? Like the Sam Bradford, I would call it the Sam Bradford rule. Yeah, Uh, the Rams suffered greatly because of drafting Sam Bradford, and uh, it wasn't until almost a decade later that they're finally good again. So anyways, uh, all these rookies are on a... A, a lower scale than what they would be paid, at least the high high draft picks would have, would have been paid otherwise. But they're still making decent money. Ezekiel Elliott, for example, I think he's supposed to make seven eight million dollars a year this year, almost nine million next year. He's got two years left on his rookie deal, but he's deciding to sit out until he gets a new deal from from the team. And I think this is unprecedented because, like you said, he has two years left. Yeah, typically, like Le'Veon Bell. His situation last year, he had one year left, and he didn't want to... You get the logic, right? In the NFL, there aren't guaranteed contracts. Sometimes there is some guaranteed money. But um, if he would have gotten injured last year, if he would have played and gotten injured, uh, he probably doesn't get another contract. Or if he does, it's significantly less than what he could have gotten otherwise. So you see the logic. um, But two years left on your contract, and your rookie contract at that, I mean, he could play out his rookie contract and still get another big contract. I guess that assumes he doesn't get injured. So, I, I don't know. I'm all for player empowerment. Yeah. Like it's your career. You do what you feel is best. Um, but I don't like this trend. I don't like this as a trend. Right. Like I hate that it's seems to be becoming more and more popular. Mm. And 
So I don't know what teams can do to address it. And 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 really, so far, it's been somewhat limited to the running back position. That's right. right? Yeah, I was going to bring because that up. it's such a it's such a it's a position where you take such a beating year after year. You're blocking guys who are bigger than you. You're being tackled by guys that are bigger than you. Um, you take a lot of beating being an NFL running back. And these young, talented running backs are often asked to have the ball in their hands more than 300 times a year, running the ball yeah. and catching passes out of the backfield. I mean, and they're getting tackled like 98% of the time when they have the ball. Mm-hmm. Other times they're running out of bounds for scoring. And they're taking hard hits too. Yeah. So I don't blame Ezekiel Elliott for trying to get paid now because he knows my shelf life is not good as an NFL yeah. running back. And that's also the problem, right, is that because running backs tend not to last as long and because the running back position is so dependent on every other position on the field, running backs, at least, and and going back to what you were saying, where you don't have to have a feature back to have a good offense, is that the running back position has probably been overvalued in the past and um, and may still be overvalued by running backs themselves today, right? And so every team now has to have make the decision, you know, these star young running backs, how much do we really want to invest in them? Do we just use them as much as we can while they're still on their rookie deal and then kick them to the side and sign, sign someone else uh, or sign another rookie? Because a running back's performance... I don't know. It's so hard to quantify how much is the talent of the running back versus how much is your scheme and your blocking, um, your receivers who distract you know the defense. If you have an Odell Beckham Jr., he's going to pull two defenders to him. That's going to open up some space for the running back. Right. I think a great measure of this is how successful is the offense in general when you're on the field versus when you're off. Yeah. So Amari Cooper comes to... Uh, the Cowboys, and Dak, Prosca- Dak Prescott all of a sudden has like a glow up, right? He all of a sudden starts playing mm-hmm. a lot better, and everyone's like, okay, well, it's clearly Amari Cooper, right? But then Ezekiel Elliott sit, uh, is out two games last season, and the production of the entire offense during those two games goes way down. So now Ezekiel Elliott can say like, look, you need me to make this Dak and Amari Cooper thing really work. You need me, right? But I think I think what you're saying is completely right scheme and personnel and everything going on around you is so much more important than the running back himself, right? Mm-hmm. We saw that with a few plug-and-play guys last year, right? It was uh, the, the pick, the, the, maybe on Bell set out all of last year, but his backup that came in had a great season. I forgot his name. That's how forgettable these running backs can be sometimes, which is sad. But the Rams had the same situation. Uh, who, who was it that came in? Anderson? Uh, CJ Anderson. CJ Anderson came yeah, in. The bowling ball. And, and he performed great in the three or four games that he was in. in sure. There, right? Yeah. And that's unfortunate for these feature running backs that are supposed to be staples of the offense and stuff because those teams can, uh, like the Cowboys, Jerry Jones, can point to these situations and say, mm-hmm. look, we can replace you. You are replaceable. And some of the numbers would agree with that. Right? But then you. What's weird is these players also have... Basically, no one one watching football, playing football, coaching football, GMing football, presidents of football, have any idea what's going on. None of us do. We have no idea. People that get paid millions and millions of dollars to understand what's going on get players like Joe Flacco and call it a great idea. Hey, he won a Super Bowl. No, his defense won a Super Bowl. (laughs) I could have won a Super Bowl with that team. Did Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl too, dude? It's so hard, though. I mean, Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl throwing almost twice as many interceptions as touchdowns in that season. He couldn't throw the ball past That was his last uh, year in Denver? His last rodeo. He couldn't throw the ball 15 yards down the field, and he was able to win. Why? It wasn't because of him. It was Von Miller. It was Von Miller. Yeah. He was the MVP for a reason. You dance, Von Miller. You get on that Madden cover because you won Peyton that Super Bowl, right? For the podcast listeners, I was dancing. Like Von Miller. He might dance a little better than me. Yeah. By a little bit. And that's why, I mean, you hear football is the ultimate team game, but it, I mean, it, it really is. You, t- you take baseball, it's it's largely an individual sport that you play with others. Yeah. Right? That's a great way to describe baseball. And basketball, it's a, it's definitely a team sport, but there's so uh, few players on, a cor- on the court that one person can really dominate the game. And then football, it's just, I mean... There, you, there's almost nothing you can do on your own, right? Yeah. I mean, even a even a running quarterback relies on his offensive line and downfield blocking, right? Uh, there's, 
a kicker, maybe? That's like the most individual of 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 players on the team. Right, but then you have to have blockers, you have yeah, to have the, a snapper, yeah. you have to have a holder, you have to have all these things. You have to have an offense that gets you into into range. Yeah. So an ultimate team sport for sure. Each football team, each NFL team has a fifty three man roster by the end of the season. That's fifty three guys you have to pay. Right? That's fifty three yeah. guys. That's a lot of people. Plus a practice squad. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, these these NFL teams are are essentially like you know mid-sized corporations they really are um but they make a lot of money yes they do and the nfl's not hurting right no. they could they play could they pay these players more yes and i think the next time a cba comes around a collective bargaining agreement with the nfl players union is i'm, I'm just assuming yeah. our listeners don't know what a cba is so when the nfl players association which is the union that represents the nfl players sits down and talks to the league and the, the leaders of the nfl and the owners and stuff and they bargain their contracts and things like that much like a teacher's union would, would bargain and like um uh, negotiate for the teachers in a district or whatever they should talk about this rookie running back wage scale because it is creating all sorts of headaches and problems for these nfl running backs for their teams and the nfl as a whole we should not be talking about nfl running backs and holdouts we should be talking about fantasy football we should be talking yeah. about potential matchups you should talk about the browns how the browns have a legitimate chance of winning the afc north <laughs> for the first time in like forever they have a quarterback who we know and we know is decent they have one of the best uh, receivers that we've ever seen and a good receiver as the number two guy uh landry mm-hmm. right so you have landry who was their number one last year becomes one of if not the best number two receiver in football with one of if not the best receivers in football they still have peyton hillis i don't know how that is he's that tank he's just a tank i don't know he runs the ball does he yeah cool I don't but know as we've we established yeah. running back one running back two running back three no but he's a tank so he, he's, he's Mike Allstock. Oh, 2.0. I, I just need... Okay. Okay. What? Okay. Without the roids. What, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you, sir? How dare you disparage the name of Mike Allstock? How dare you? He was awesome on... Uh, what football game was it? That was the, like the arcade version. The, arc- the arcade one. There was the Madden, which was like the more realistic football. Right. But then there was one that was like... Tecmo Bowl? Tecmo no, Super Bowl? No, no, no. This was one like you NFL tackle Blitz? someone and they'd like... Yeah, maybe that was it. And they'd like fly through the air. And you could like like drop elbows <laughs> on them and stuff afterwards. Yeah, that's NFL Blitz. Yeah. You can actually get on fire like NBA Jam yeah, he, and you become unstoppable. He was good in that game. Well, yeah, because he was good in real life. Where is it? Yeah, he's Cleveland... No. No, no, wait. No, I don't know where he is now. Well, uh, he's been retired forever. Oh, Peyton Hillis. I thought you were looking at Mike Alston. I think like, he retired <laughs> 15 years ago, about the same time the fullback position was retired by Bill Belichick. He was like, no more of this fullback stuff. Oh, he played. Life. Looks like he's not in the game anymore. Mm. He was on the cover of Madden one year, I think. What? Yeah. Okay, talk about I something. I don't I'm going to look at the Hillis. <laughs> I don't trust you. I don't, I don't pay enough attention to football. What was his name? Peyton Hillis. Peyton Hillis. Yeah. The second most famous Peyton. Very wide. Very yeah. strongly built guy. No way is he on a Madden cover. I think so. There he is. Yeah, Madden 12. There oh my go. gosh. I don't even know. Seven years ago. Is. I guess eight years ago is Madden years ago. The Madden curse is alive and well, man. <laughs> I don't know. He seemed to do pretty well. He's not even <laughs> in the league now. Yeah. I think anyone who's a running back or fullback in this league is cursed. Like you're, you're a ticking time bomb if you're a running back in the NFL. Mm. Uh, the days of the Barry Sanders of the world, the Walter Paytons. I miss Barry Sanders so much. Oh, I miss Barry Sanders, and I'm so mad that the Lions have ruined the careers of two of the best football players ever, Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson. If either of those guys had a decent team for one year. They would have just broken yeah, every two, record. Yeah, two of the best skill players of all ever, time. Ever, without a doubt. And both of their careers were cut short because Barry Sanders was tired of playing for a sucky team and getting tackled all the time and doing all the work and just tossing the ball to the referee after he scores a touchdown. Mm. I miss Barry Sanders. I miss football, too. I'm excited for football. College football, not so much. I'm more of an NFL guy. Are you more of a college football or an NFL guy? Um. Yeah, I'm more of an NFL guy. College football's fine. I guess it gets exciting when it comes closer to playoff time, for and, sure. And that's when I start caring. Like the, the college football playoff is when I get really into it. and I'll try to watch every game because that's yeah. when the best teams are playing the the games with the biggest stakes. Yeah. Right. But it's really hard for me to watch Notre Dame and Florida State like in November. Like there are just so few teams that are like top tier. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I also I think part of it for me is that like all the teams that I supported at one point or another. Um, 
you know, by like the eighth week in the season, they had two losses and it's like, well, we're out of it this year. Yeah. You know, it's a, that you can be eliminated so early in the season from, from the post season, the call, you know, the playoff or whatever. Right. It's a little disappointing. Yeah. Like winning, I don't know about you, but like when a team I care about or a player I care about wins a bowl game, like for me, it just bowls have been completely devalued. Yeah. Like if you win the Sugar Ray Tostada Orange <laughs> Citrus Bowl. Nyquil. Vix <laughs> 40. <laughs> Is it Vix 44? Is that what it's called? I think so. Yeah. Vix VapoRub, Indy 500, <laughs> Citrus Bowl in North Carolina, whatever. If you win that bowl, it's like, well, you didn't make it to the playoffs, so the season feels like a failure. Coming from a from like a general fan standpoint, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. And then maybe that's part of like the, the plague of the uh, if you don't win, you lose kind of culture we have now. And it's, you know, if, if, you, if you didn't win, your team wasn't good. Hold on. There's a culture of people <laughs> that don't subscribe to the idea that if you don't win, you lose. That if you don't win, you're a loser. Well, yes, that's. I mean, if yeah, but you know what win, I mean. Like are losers. No, like the winner bust mentality, right? Okay. Yeah. Right. Just we 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 place a lot of value on our fan experience on winning when it comes to our fan. I see what you're saying. Yeah, okay. Like baseball, right? Sure. The team I root for has not won since won a World Series since 1988. But I've enjoyed many seasons. Anthony, look at me. Yes. See this guy. Uh, yes. This guy was born the year the Dodgers won a World Series. Yeah. I'm not saying that to rub it in, but no. I, but 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 that doesn't like the fact that they haven't won a World Series in oof, 30 years, 31 years now. Good quick math. Thanks. <laughs> I just know it because it's how old I am. That's easy for me. Um, I wasn't going to help you either. I was going to let you dangle. I mean, I'm a bad friend. I'm a bad podca- podcast co-host. And like, just rude in general. Like, like I'm st- constantly interrupting people. It's got to be frustrating. Like, I still get excited to watch the games, right? And do they have... They've been a really good team the last six years. And they're going to be good forever. They're going to be like. good for another six years. But... Um, if they don't win the World Series, like we were talking about this earlier, right? You said if they don't win a World Series in the next five years, this team is a failure. Yeah. Right? It's a failure. And I said I would be disappointed because I think they have the talent and the ability to pay to increase their payroll. I think they have what it takes to put together a World Series contender. And that's what they've done. But I've said this many times on the podcast. Baseball is such a crapshoot when it comes to the playoffs. There's like almost no predictability when you look at regular season versus playoff performance. And so that they make the playoffs, good. I think it's a failure if they don't make the playoffs because of their roster construction. Yeah. Right? They're just they're just better than than many other teams out there. But if they don't advance in the playoffs or they make it to the World Series and they don't win, I'll be disappointed, but like I don't know failure. I guess if they had many opportunities to win and they choke it away multiple times, right? They're up, up in the bottom of the ninth, and they lose, right? Or they're up three-one in a series and they lose. Like maybe at that point you say, "Wow, that's a failure," right? But uh, this, I don't know. At this point, I guess it would just be a disappointment. And but it doesn't take away from my enjoyment. Like it's not. And even if they were out of it, like I remember going to Dodger games and rooting for the Dodgers when they weren't making the playoffs. And it was, like, just as fun for me, like, to root for them, to go to an individual game, right? But I think, relating all this back to college football, that I don't, I don't have that, I guess I just don't have that attachment. Maybe that's what it is. I don't have an attachment to a team strong enough that, you know, that I would follow them even when they're out of it. I'll get attached to a certain team that gets hot, and I'll get excited, root for that team, or maybe one, you know, a team where I went to school, something like that, or one of the ones I grew up rooting for. But then once they lose and they're out of it, it's like, eh, I got a lot of other things I can get done on a Saturday, you know. Yeah. So when we come back from a short break, I'm going to call Anthony a fraud and tell you why. Fraud. Okay. Explain. You are a fraud, sir. Explain. You are a fraud. Okay. So you're the guy who literally needs like a whole night and maybe send to the next day to recover after a big loss from yes, one of your teams. Definitely. And you just told me that if you you wouldn't be disappointed if your team didn't win the World Series. No, no, I would be disappointed. You would be. I wouldn't consider it a failure. Okay. 
But you're the one that said, like, when my team's losing, it doesn't take away from my enjoyment. No, I still enjoy it as much. But th- but then there's also another feeling of extreme disappointment. Which sounds a lot like you're not enjoying it very much. No, I'm... S- Fraud. No, no, no. Fraud. I think you can experience multiple emotions at once. You can? Yes. Is that a thing? Yes. Look, you need it's t- called humanity. You need, two, you need two emotions, according to Vic Fangio, <laughs> head, coach the, head coach of the Broncos. Anger... Grit and victory. Those are the only two emotions you need. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. If you're not, if, if you don't have victory, you have anger. But if you have enough anger, it'll lead you to victory. Yeah. Vic Fangio. Look, I'm not a. I'm not saying I don't get disappointment. I don't get disappointed, and that my enjoyment isn't lower when the Dodgers lose. Like that's an obvious human reaction. All I'm saying is that my overall enjoyment of like watching the team I love isn't diminished by the fact that they don't win the World Series or they might lose on a given night. In that moment, yes. But but all, all of a sudden, I'm not like... I I don't lose interest in the season because they go on a losing streak. Okay, okay. Right? I all still right. enjoy watching the games and following the teams. I know. This, this may be a... I don't know. Okay, well, I, the only thing I'll say is fraud. fraud. All right, you got a game for us? Yes, okay. You're familiar, David, with uh, our friend David Rush, the Guinness World Record addict. Yeah, well, I would call him a a champion. Okay. He has over 100 Guinness World Records. And uh, he does this to, quote-unquote, race STEM awareness. Uh, So he's like an MIT guy. He's an engineer of some kind. And he wants to race STEM awareness, so he breaks Guinness World Records that have sometimes nothing to do with STEM. Really? (laughs) So at work today, I had orientation and training and stuff, right? And a teacher was frustrated at the desks and how they were in like a group of four. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, because there's no room for this chair to get in. And I was like, oh, I went to MIT. Check this out. And I moved, I arranged the desk in such a way that they were all facing uh, the middle, but it was like left a little square in the middle. Yeah. So everyone had an open seat to get into. And I was like, I'm just kidding. I didn't really go to MIT. But they were like, they all thought that I went to MIT and graduated from MIT and then decided to be an English teacher after that. So, yeah, teachers are gullible. Seems like a logical route. Right? Yeah. Just fake it till you make it. <laughs> all right. I don't know why I stopped to tell you that story. It was a terrible story. Yeah. Nothing to do with what we're talking about. And I, now I'm just, just wasting time. Yeah. Well, I heard a word that I used today. Let me throw it into the podcast. That was just bad judgment I had on my part. seven opportunities to bring up irrelevant stories on this podcast and i resisted the urge why i think it makes the podcast <laughs> great at least when i do it so david rush no nah, i disagree with that is at it again myself. all right david i have four potential world guinness world record attempts okay i want you to tell me that he attempted just in the month of july he did four just in july i want you to t- i'm gonna give you the four i want you to tell me the two that he broke okay so he tried four, he, four attempts Two that he actually completed, mm-hmm. and I have to guess which ones he completed. That's right. All right, let's okay. go. Let's do this. All right, attempt number one mm-hmm. to stack the most wet bars of soap on top of each other. Okay, so attempt number one was to stack the most wet bars of soap one on top of the other. Okay, that sounds very very David Russian. All right, number well all of these he attempted. Right, right, but I'm okay. saying that, yeah, yes. Right. Okay. David Russian would have Number been two. <laughs> the fastest covering your wife in plastic wrap world record attempt. Guinness world record attempt. It's 2019, people. I, I don't know that it has to be your wife, but he co- I think maybe it has to be a woman. I don't really know. Covering another, let's just say wrapping another person in plastic wrap. I feel more comfortable about that. Okay. That wording makes me more comfortable. Wrapping another person in plastic wrap. In the fastest time, okay? That doesn't sound very David Russian. Okay. Number three. Balancing a lawnmower on his chin uh, for uh, the longest amount of time, all right? So he attempted to break the record for time balancing a lawnmower, a running lawnmower on his chin. That sounds unnecessary, (laughs) but okay. And then the last attempt to... Catch and throw a flaming sword the most times in one minute. Okay. I think the ones he completed, because he's kind of famous for the speed ones, I think it's the bars of soap and the catching the sword. I think those are the two that he completed. 
Okay, so you think he did not complete the balancing a lawnmower on his chin, a running lawnmower on his chin. No. And you think he did not complete the covering his wife in plastic wrap. That is a correct summation, yes. Okay, you are half right. Well, that means I got one, right? That actually means he completed all four. Get out of freaking He broke all four. You lied to me. Yes. You lied. You were set up for... Fraud. (laughs) You were set up for failure. Fraud. Yeah, David Rush is a Guinness World Record-breaking machine. Yes, he is. And uh, so are, are any of these intrigue you? Any of these you want to learn more about? Well, duh. <laughs> okay, so the dude, the lawnmower was running. I need to know how heavy the lawnmower was. I need to know what type of lawnmower it was. I need to know if it was gas-powered, if it was electric. I need to know everything about the lawnmower one right now. Because okay. that is crazy to me. Like, insane. And, and does this guy train for this stuff? Is he just now training to break world records? And is that like his income now? Yeah. Well, he's like a motivational speaker too. Of right? course, so, of course. So he probably goes around to schools and gets paid like ten grand a pop to like oh my go to these schools and just like talk to them about following their dreams and pursuing STEM and balancing running lawnmowers on their chin. Um, so he broke the record, the previous record of three minutes and one second. He balanced the running lawnmower on his chin. So this is handlebar on his chin. Okay. So the motor and wheels is the top part, right? Yeah. And the, the handle, the, the the handlebars on his chin. Because you definitely don't want the blade <laughs> next to your face. That's good. That's a good call, Dave. <laughs> he balanced it on his chin for three minutes and fifty-two seconds. Oh my gosh, Dave! Three minutes, fifty-two seconds. What are the odds we get him on the podcast? Mm. Not good. I mean, maybe if we pay him, he might come on. He seems pretty willing to do uh, basically Just about anything. anything. Yeah. yeah, do you want to break a world record on a podcast but being, by being the first world record holder to be on the worst podcast ever? <laughs> all, right. <laughs> uh, all right. This plastic wrap one was, was interesting. I, I think we're so, pretty great, actually. I don't mean that. I think we're pretty good. I think we're good. Look at that. His wife looks like she's having a fun time, real fun time. Uh, so he had to cover her from head to toe, uh, no rips, tears, uh, or any part of a clothing or skin left unwrapped. I assume there had to be a breathing hole, but they don't actually say. No, you just end <laughs> on the face and then call it good. Um, Godspeed, woman. He said he found it difficult to wrap her joints. Um, okay. So a minute and 57 seconds is all it took to break the previous record, or to, to f- completely wrap her, which broke the previous record by two seconds. Oh, wow. So this was a close one. Yes, it was. Not and this one, I, it, she dominated. It says he, it took him 12 official attempts, which I think if you don't get it, you should not be able to just try it again. Why not? It's not like, world record the first time. No, I, I think he, can, he should try it again, but I feel like there needs to be some kind of rest period. Oh, like, like, like you have like, to wait a, a month or something. Yeah, because like I don't know, does that show skill? I guess you did it faster than anyone else in the world, but like you just kept trying until you did it. Hey, Usain Bolt, you didn't get the world record last week, and then you got it the next week, so it doesn't no, count. But see, that's the, the next week cool he didn't off. just say, you know what? Let me try that one more time. Right. Let, right. Me, let me just try that one more can, time. Can we run that back? Yeah. Uh, how do you think that conversation went? Like, hey, honey. Hey, uh, <laughs> sweetheart. How would you like to be covered in plastic wrap? Like, what are you talking about, Dave? I think I've heard that a lot in my marriage. What are you talking about, Dave? Mm. <laughs> All right. Uh, what's the other one? Uh, so the, uh, the 30 bars of soap, this was the most boring one to me. Literally, just wet bars of soap uh, stacked one on top of the other. It sounds difficult. Was someone rehydrating the soap bars? Because like, if you get two bars of soap together, and you've experienced this, if yes. you like, you have kids and they stack the soap on top of each right. other when they're wet, they get stuck together and they merge into one bar of soap. It's like a fusion on Dragon Ball Z. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say that? Nope. That was another politics reference. Anyway, okay. go ahead. Yeah, so he, he stacked 30 bars of wet soap in one minute. 30 bars? And uh, it stayed standing for five seconds. Wow. Earning the Guinness World Record. The previous record was 21 bars of soap. So he beat it by nine bars of soap. Nine bars of soap. Huh. Um, so he said he grew out his fingernails to give him enhanced grippability. Clearly. I mean, MIT engineer makes this sense. This guy to commits me. to the to the record, right? It doesn't sound like he committed that much just not clipping his nails for a while. Like, you're making it seem like he, he was like Christian Bale. He was Bell. actually lazy. Like, you make it seem like Christian Bale putting on 30, 40 pounds to do a role. You're comparing that to David Rush not growing his fingernails out a little bit. All right. Jeez. And then uh, this one, potentially the most dangerous, although you have a running lawnmower on top of your head. That seems pretty dangerous to me. Maybe that's a little more dangerous. Ooh, a guy we know, Doug Law, lost a toe to a lawnmower. Okay. Wow, what, okay. Uh, The end. Okay, good, good. Um, All right, so he, uh, 
the throw and catch. This is he essentially had a, a flaming sword, and he uh, he would throw it end over end and catch the handle, right? And he did that sixty four times in uh, one minute. Oh my gosh, that's yeah. roughly more than one a second. <laughs> that's almost one point one a second. Crazy. Can we watch the video of that? Like I know it's not uh, the best podcasting, but I just I want to see it for just a second. So, the actual flaming sword. Oh my yeah. goodness. Yeah. Now, he's, is he wearing a glove? He's flipping that sword. It doesn't look like it. That doesn't really look like a sword. Oh, and he just, dropped it. I guess that doesn't matter. It doesn't look like a sword. It just looks like a stick that's on fire. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, it's not, like it's not impressive that he's doing that. So the previous Still. record was 62 throws wow. and catches. He broke it by two. And he dropped one. So here's my question about David Rush. Like, is he scouring the Guinness Book of World Records, just looking up all of the obscure but, like, potentially easy-to-beat ones and... And that's what he's prioritizing? Or is he thinking, you know what? I'm really good at this. Hmm. Wonder what the world record is. Yeah, I'm sure he's like, you know what? I'm really good at poking my corn kernels with toothpicks. I'm just going to go practice that and then do that. No, I, I think he's going through the yeah. book and saying, like, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Because there's no way he is this skilled in all these things. He just does them. Also, like the lawnmower thing, how do you learn you can do that? Because it's not like you're <laughs> mowing the lawn and your wife comes out and hands you the baby. And it's like, I got I to gotta go do something, take the baby. And you're like, you know, I could turn it off or... So I yeah this I guess you start you probably practice with the blades off my assumption of course but, but the no, vibration exactly yeah. you have to factor that in you, right at some point you start practicing with the engine on and how scary is that I mean also terrifying. how do you get it up there I don't know I, I so many questions David you. Rush yeah probably some stem related something gets helps him get the yeah it's yeah. his stem magic that helps him balance a lawnmower on his face that's what it is. Hey, forget English classes. Let's all do STEM stuff so we can balance lawnmowers on our faces. Is he our modern-day Isaac Newton? Galileo? Is he doing more to promote the work of science than Neil deGrasse Tyson? Now, Neil deGrasse Tyson <laughs> stepped in it. Yeah, he did, actually. I'm a big fan of Neil deGrasse Tyson. He makes science accessible. He makes very complicated, complex concepts Really accessible for the average guy, right? What do you mean? What, what do you mean what I mean? Explain. Oh, like he, uh, have you seen the, uh, the the show The Cosmos? Mm. So it was done in the 70s by the guy, the famous astrophysicist that I can't remember. Why can't I remember that game? Uh, Saban. Carl Saban. So Carl Saban, I was going to say Nick Saban because he was doing a sports show, but he is not an astrophysicist. But Carl Saban did the show The Cosmos. Uh, Neil deGrasse I think Tyson. He, I think he could take, I think, I think if you give Nick Saban Saturn, he goes 12 and 1. Okay, continue. I think With he, all those moves? I think, I think if you give Nick Saban Saturn, <laughs> he gets a ring. <laughs> At least one. So, uh, so Neil deGrasse Tyson did the Cosmos again. Like, new though. Like, with all the new discoveries that they've made and all the new concepts and stuff that they've done. Yeah. And it was a really interesting show. It was really cool. But he said some things in the wake of the El Paso, Texas shooting yeah. that oh. made people kind of uncomfortable. And while what he said was factually true... Sometimes people don't want to hear facts. There are sometimes in your life where you don't want to hear facts. Like if was he like your was he studying statistics or something? That yes, he was studying. He, he gave some statistics about death, like how many people die due to medical errors, how many people die due to, due to normal handgun violence in the same time period. To, to try and kind of minimize the impact of these mass shooting events or yeah, something. I don't. I don't think to minimize. That wasn't his intention. To minimize. To or, put in perspective. Yeah, to say like these are horrific, but we tend to sensationalize these. A horrific events when yeah. there are similar uh, or greater numbers of people dying. People are losing their lives in, in many other ways. Yes, that are preventable is what yeah. he said. So while this is terrible and sad, was his intention to say, well, this is terrible and this is sad, and I hope I don't misrepresent him because I know he's a listener, but if... if he was, Lo Love your chicken products. Yes. So if he... <laughs> sorry, I, kind of almost made through, I almost made it through without laughing. That would have been great. My bad. I'm so sorry. I ruined it. That would have been such a great little drop-in. I'm sorry. I couldn't do it. show must go on, David. It, uh, sh it, it should. I'd be a terrible actor. Like, if I was trying to act with... You would break. You'd be the Jimmy oh, Fallon of I would be terrible. Yes. Yeah. Jimmy Fallon was terrible. He yeah. was just in the back giggling. through the one skit Not without one. giggling. Like, the, the, one of the best, most famous skits of all time is ruined by Jimmy Fallon giggling in the back of the drums because Will Ferrell is playing the cowbell <laughs> like a champion with, That's his, great. with his gut hanging out. Yeah. And Christopher Walken comes out. He's like, cock of the walk, baby. <laughs> and he can't I got a fever. <laughs> all right. So, what was they even talking about? 
Gosh dang it, Steve. His, his, uh, his ill tweets. Ill, Ill, uh, Ill timed? Ill... Yes. If, if he would have waited two weeks or three yeah. weeks, it would have been better. But, I mean, it was still so fresh. And, I don't know. It, sometimes people don't need perspective. They just need to mourn. Mm-hmm. Right? And sometimes people don't need facts thrown at them. Like, when my grandpa died, I didn't need someone to come to me and say, oh, you know the decay rate of an average human body. I don't need that stuff. Yeah. Just or, let me think about my like, grandpa. Happens to everyone, kid. Right? Well, yeah, it does. but... But this is my grandpa. Yeah. Um, oh, my parents did a DNA thing. Okay. Guess what? What? We're white. You're white. Oh, that's good. Um... Like which, really white. Which part of, of all of the white Whitetopia? All of it. All of we're, it. we're a little bit of everything. You can stake a claim in all of Western Europe. Yeah, if you throw a dart at white on mm. the map, you'll hit somewhere <laughs> my family comes from. Cool. Well, glad to know you're. Uh... Well, not even. Uh, I don't like to talk race on the podcast, David. Okay. We were talking like your family. <laughs> your family's the brownest family in our yeah, family. Yeah, that's true. I, I the 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 melting pot is is. Pretty much one-sided over here. Yes, it is. On, on my yes, side, is. yeah. Yep. Yep. And, and even me, I'm mostly, you know, my parents took that test, and I'm mostly white, but like... I mean, your last name's Montague. Yeah. Kind of but there's there's a, you know, a good quarter of me that uh, that comes from, uh, that's like native to this land. I'm one with the land, David. Nice. Where is my grant money? I think I don't... Isn't that, isn't that, a, isn't that a thing? Like, uh... No, maybe I don't want to get into that. I don't think you do. Maybe I don't want to get into but that. But th- the whole thing was, like, you you are, you, your family and my sister's family, you guys are the brownest family in like, our extended right. family, right? Yeah. But your kids are the whitest kids oh, yeah. in our family. My kids would fit in perfectly in Norway. Oh, yes. I just dropped them it's in Sweden. Cra- which is crazy because, like, my hair is pretty dark, Laura's hair is pretty dark, um, and, like, I don't know, I've got, you know olive-ish skin right it's not i don't have dark skin but i tan it pretty well but like yeah all my kids came out like you know milk white with like these ice blue eyes except one our third child she's uh she kind of has my skin and she got brown eyes so she's like the odd one in the bunch but even she looks like extremely white and yeah i don't know i'm excited to take them uh to northern europe someday so they can be among their people (laughs) The Subjectively Correct Sport with David Henderson and Anthony Montague.